are familiar with this passage, you, you know this passage, a very commonly quoted passage. No, I, I say a lot of things that resonate with folks, let's just say under 50 a lot, right? There's a lot of references, maybe something trending on Twitter, and if you don't know what Twitter is, that you made my point right now, right? But for the rest of you, for those of you that don't normally get the references, do you remember the song? The birds, right? There we go. For those of you who don't get that joke, for that reference, most of the Sundays are given to you. That was just one for the old folks, all right? I'm just saying, and now they're mad at me for calling them old, but you get it, all right? There we go. Embrace the old, right? Embrace the gray, the wrinkles, and the dated music of the 60s, all right? It is what it is. The refined, the wise, the mature. Sure. All right. <laughs> and now all I can hear in my head is turn, turn, turn. Yeah, all right, all right, all right. All right, Ecclesiastes 3, let's read verse 1. For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. Let me, let me set the table, if you will, for today. Let's kind of put the context in place for this. There's the word season and the word time. And, and really, we can hear season, and we can think those four things that happen every year, right? Winter, spring, summer, fall, the very thing that you and I pay so much money to avoid living in Southern California, right? Like, I'm frustrated. Like, whenever it gets into the 40s, I think I pay a lot of money to not ever have to see that on my, on my, my weather app, right? That's why we live in Southern California. We live in a beach climate, so we don't have to endure these rough things like 40-degree weather, right? Seasons. We think of seasons in that context, but we also say things like seasons of life. So really what seasons means is this, this period of time, however long or short, that we give to something, Right, Whether it be a season like winter is a season that lasts roughly 90 days right, or three months. Not the same time, always sometimes longer and shorter, but it's in a period of time. There's seasons of life, too. If you have kids and you know they're toddlers right now, that's a season of life that they'll go through. If, they're, if you're in a season of life where you're retired and you're, you're enjoying being a grandparent or even a great-grandparent, that's a season of life, right? It's this period of life that we understand have some kind of significance to it that changes. Seasons change. There are extended periods of time, but those seasons change, right? If it's winter now, it will be spring soon enough. Right? If we are elementary school kids now, we will be teenagers soon enough. Right? If we're young adults now, we will be whatever comes next. Whatever is, I didn't mean it that way, I just meant whatever is next, whatever season reference, idea, right? You get the point, I don't have to spell them all out, I'm pretty sure, right? But then Solomon says this, Solomon is the author of Ecclesiastes, if you didn't know that. Solomon says this, for everything there is a season and a time, for every matter under heaven. Now, this under heaven, or if you read the whole book of Ecclesiastes, he also uses the language of under the sun, right? And what he's really using is kind of a poetic language of just saying this life here on earth, right? This human existence that we have. So there's, there is time or there's a season for everything that we're called to do here on this planet, under this sun, here, under heaven. He is, he is distinguishing this, this, this life that we live from eternity. Now, he's going to loop back. and He's going to include eternity in this conversation. But as he says, there are seasons and rhythms to life. Rhythms are more probably a more modern vernacular. There is times that we give to specific things. And that there is a time 
There's enough time, in fact, to every season of life that we've been given. So if you're a note taker, again, this is in the app, honoring God in our time. A God-centered life values time as one of our limited resources. God has given us plenty of time if we choose to use it correctly. And I don't know if you do this or not, and I think that there is, I think there's two, two implications here. I think if you're a planner by nature, you'll do this, and I think when you get to a place in life where you're trying to accomplish things, you'll, you'll embrace it whether you're a planner or not. But this beginning of the year, right, I don't just mean the, the fact that my gym's busier right now because there's New Year's resolutions, right? That'll wane, they'll get out of the way pretty quick, right? We'll be back at it, they'll be at McDonald's, I'll still be in the gym, right? So... That's good. But I mean that like when, when you see things in your life and, and you want to make this year better than last year, I'm, I'm pressing in to set some goals for 2019. First, for, really for me, personally, spiritually, for Lisa and I, for our home, for our future, for the church, for these things. There, this is that season, it's that time, that, that short window into the year, beginning of the year. Like I said, I've been thinking about time really how my time is spent i've been thinking about that for months since we got flipped upside down with the remodel and my time was not being spent in a way that that was life-giving to me i really began to look at time <clears throat> so all that comes together in this the beginning of the year i want to make sure that i'm spending my time in 2019 in a way that at the end of 2019 i will look back at 2019 and say i did it did well Right, that I spent this year a way I wanted to. Now, I hope, even if I do really well this year, that at the end of the year, I will set larger and loftier goals for next year. That I will do better with my time, do better with my finances, do better with the ministry, do better with the, the gifts that God has given me. But for this one, this is time. As we look at that, that time, honoring God in our time means... That we live in a way that prioritizes the thing that God has given us, understanding that that is a limited resource. Much like our money, it often runs out too quick. Right? Do you have more needs at the end of the day and you just run out of day? Right? You run out of energy? Right? You run out of, you don't run out of things you need to do. Right? It's just dumb. I just moved, my wife and I, are, we moved a year ago, bought a house a year ago, and we are still getting settled, if you will. Right? And so we just decided, okay, the, way, the place we keep light bulbs now, we don't want to keep them there anymore. We want to move them out to the garage. And so I remember, yesterday, I remember that was like a week ago, and I just got it done yesterday. And the reason is, is it seems like every time I went to do that, I saw another light bulb out that had burned out in the house. And I literally was like, is just this ever going to end? And I know all of you who own houses are like, no, right? I've owned a house before I get it. No, it's not going to end. The plumbing's going to leak again. As soon as you vacuum this part of the room, the dogs have messed up this part of the room, right? There's never, enough, there's never enough time to cover all the stuff to do, it seems. I agree, right? That's how I feel too. But there is enough time to honor God in our lives. There is enough time to live a life that God has called us to live. That's Solomon's point. Verse 2. A time to be born and a time to die. <clears throat> a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is planted. I want you to see this. As, as Solomon writes this, he is a very poetic, very wisdom-driven writer. In fact, Solomon also writes Proverbs, and, and uh, the, the bulk of the wisdom literature is written by Solomon. So 
he pairs language together for a reason. So you see a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up what is plant, planted, or a time to harvest would be a shorter way of saying that. The pairings in each line are going to be incredibly important for defining them, okay? And that's going to come, in, come into play when we see things like a time to hate, a time to kill, okay? That the pairings that he uses help define what he means by each thing. So use this one. It, if you ask yourself what season of life you're in right now, you would, you would agree that there are profound differences in the seasons of life surrounding birth, infancy, childhood, profoundly different than seasons of life like middle ages or seniors or, or you know, the other end of the life spectrum, right? There are, there are huge differences in how we should spend our time, the things that God has given us to do. If we are newborns, right, we are just brand new to the world. We are learning at the most rapid rate we will ever learn in our lives, right? Everything is new. You'll learn more words in the first two years of your life than if you spend the rest of your life studying language. Because everything is brand new. You're learning something new all the time. Every moment of every day is brand new. As you're a young child, you're going to school, you're, you're being educated. Really, each phase, elementary school is to get you to middle school, middle school is to get you to high school. High school is to teach you really how to be a functional adult, right? I'm not saying they're achieving that. I'm saying that's what it's aimed at, right? Okay. Parents, your job is to offset that. Let's help them become functional adults, right? College is about that idea of what kind of career am I going to have? What kind of, what kind of, what do I need to engage the rest of this life, right? We get out of college, it should be a career season, right? You get into your middle, your 40s and your 50s, you should be in, the, in the, the high point of your career, right? As you start to get on that other end near retirement, you should be slowing down. I know this isn't always true, right? I know that some of you are thinking, man, I wish I could just retire, or I'm retired, I wish I could slow down, or whatever it might be. But what I would say to you is this. When high school students live in a way like all they want to do is, is reap all the benefits of life and seniors are still working towards retirement, something's wrong, right? Young people should be focused on something different and seniors should be focused on something different. And sometimes we make choices in our life that impact the choices that we can make later. Maybe we didn't do well when we were young and so now we're in our 70s and still working, right? Maybe... If we do well when we're young, we won't have to, right? I know we can't control all the variables, but there should be profound differences in the seasons of life. So understanding the seasons of life. Life is designed to be lived in seasons. Our youth is for learning and growing, young adulthood for beginning careers and families, middle school, our middle adulthood for our largest contributions to the world, and our senior years for resting and enjoying, right? There's a huge difference between being a dad and a grandpa, right? A mom and a grandma, right? Grandma, you get to feed them all kinds of sugar, spool them all up, and hand them back off, right? <laughs> Not what you want as a mom. Different place in life, right? Verse 3, there's a time to kill and a time to heal. <clears throat> a time to break down and a time to build up. Now, remember, there's that pairing of kill and heal to building and breaking. It's very different. We're going to see Solomon talk about war in a minute. But what he's talking about is there is a time to put some things to death in our life. 
And there are some, there's a time where there are things inside of us that are dying or dead that need to be restored and brought back to life. Let me put it to you this way. Let me start with a note. Are there habits or relationships that need healing? I, you could ask the same thing. Are there habits or relationships that need to die? What in your life needs to be cultivated and what, what else needs to be, to be rid of? Right? There is a time to kill something off. Maybe you're in a very volatile relationship, and I don't want to dive too far into that, but it just hear me when I say there's sometimes relationships need to go away, and sometimes those relationships need to be restored. I have a weird childhood. You can, most of you know I come from a very broken background, very broken home. I'm not super close to my parents, but I'm feeling that, that, that age of my parents right now and their health declining that if I'm going to have, I'm not going to have regrets that I need to press into my parents, right? That I need to understand what God says when he says to honor our father and mother, even if necessarily we don't have that great relationship. I got to call my mom on the way into church this morning and, and just talk to her and just say hello and, and uh, prayed with her recently. And she's not a believer and, and she's gone through some things. And I'm, I'm sensing that now, maybe it should have been before, but now I need to cultivate that relationship more. If she is older and her, her health is failing, and if I want to see her meet Jesus, I need to, to engage that intentionally now, right? That I, I need to be involved more. There's, there's relationships that may need to go in your life. There's some that you may need to be cultivate in your life. There's habits that may need to be rid of in your life. There's some that you may need to cultivate, right? Spending that time cultivating deep time alone with God every day, you need that. Maybe you need to cultivate that this year. Maybe there's some habits that need to go. Verse 4, there's a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Mourning is a weird thing. There is no, there's no prescribed time for someone who has lost a loved one. Well, you've got 90 days, 30 days, or a year. There's no... There's no clear guideline, but what we hear is there's a right time to mourn, and there's a right time to celebrate. There, there's, there's a time to weep, and there's a time to laugh. Can we go on and can we mourn for too long to where it becomes unhealthy? We've all seen that. We've all seen that take place in someone else's life, maybe in our own lives. We don't know how to just... to, to bookend that, if you will, and, and begin to heal. But then there's that, there's that we can mourn too, too briefly as well, that we don't really take the time to mourn that we should. And so for whatever this looks like, there's no prescription here, there's, no, there's not even a note to take away. There is a time to mourn and there is a time to dance. There is a time to weep and there is a time for laughter. And I would just suggest to you there's too much, there's, there's too short a time and too long a time as well. Verse 5, there's a time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. A time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. Again, the pairing here helps us understand. In the Old Testament especially, there's a, uh, a, a, a practice of gathering stones. We see Abraham as an example, it'll say in one place, or Jacob, where they're piling stones. And I, I I would love to have seen this and be able to give you a kind of a better visual, but my understanding of it is 
pretty large rocks coming together and piling up to make a marker, right? That they would gather stones, they would pile them together to make some kind of marker to remind them of an event. And I would love to see one. I'd love to see something that I can say, okay, now this is what Jacob actually did. And I just, the world, the world has been through a lot of things since then, and, and those piles have been knocked over, shall we say. But there was this habit of gathering stones, of, of, of piling up stones as a marker and a memorial in life. And so it says there's a time to gather, to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. It's this, it's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. There's a time to remember, if you will. There's a time that we should spend remembering what we have gone through and there's a time to let it go. There's, there's a time to memorialize, there's a time to celebrate, there's a, there's a time to spend thinking and looking backwards. And then there's also a time that says, you know what, the past is behind us and we need to move on. I'm going to put this up on the screen, but I, I just wrote a few things down. There's a time to remember. What about worship and celebration? Really, we are, when we worship, when we stand and we sing praises to God, when we stand and we sing worship together, we are remembering what God has done. Right? We are proclaiming the goodness of God, who God is and what God has done. There is a time to remember. There's a time to forget. What about forgiveness of wrongdoing? What if someone has done wrong? Should we hang on to that or, or should we forget? A time to embrace. What about community and family? What about a church? A time to refrain from embracing what about those times when we need to separate and be alone with God? But there's seasons and rhythms. There are things, there are times that we need to press in and grab. There are times that we need to be distant. There's times that we need to memorialize, and there's times that we just need to forget. Verse 6, a time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. You ever gone through those seasons in life where you just, whether it's, you know, in your house or in your life or whatever it is, and you're just going through and just purging things, just getting rid of stuff? Yeah? Good? Okay. I'm, I, I told you I spent a lot of this last week uh, filing and getting rid of things, shredding stuff that needs to be shredded and throwing stuff out. The big purge started, and it just became a bonfire in the backyard because there's no way I was going to burn up a shredder over this thing, right? But then we're going through, okay, what is it that we truly need and what is it we don't, right? And, and, and we... I remember doing this when we went from a larger house to a smaller house before, but that's just, we're in that season of life where it feels like, okay, we don't need a lot of this stuff. And it's just more stuff to worry about, more stuff to clean, or more stuff to whatever. And we're just going through that, that getting rid of, if you will. Seasons for keeping and losing. There's a, there's a time for growing, but then there's a time for paring down too. Consider the churches we have helped start and how hard loss is. Consider college students leaving home for the first time. Right? There's a time to gather and grow. If you're a young married couple and you're having a family and you're growing into that season, you're growing. Maybe your home needs to grow. Maybe your income needs to grow. Whatever it is, there's a time for growing as you grow that family. But then sometimes you send kids off to school or they get married, they go out and they start their own families. There's a time for paring down as well. As a church, see, we spent last year, uh, well, we spent most of last year in transition, but the year before, we started, in, in the last three years, we've started three churches, two of them simultaneously just about a year ago right now. And so there's that, there's that time of sending out, too, 
right? That you, you t- that your, some of your best leaders go out and they do a new work or they, they go and, and they, they go participate in a different ministry, serve a different place. This year, as we press into here, we're hoping this is a time we just, we can begin to grow together again, right? That we can prepare ourselves for that season again when we will send out. Verse 7, it says, a time to tear and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak. Again, the pairing here is incredibly important, but imagine this. When I, see, when I hear this, a time to tear and a time to sow, right? I, I think of a patch, and I know, I know most of us don't patch clothes anymore, but if you grew up in the Great Depression and you got a hole in your knees, you patched it because you needed to, right? And I get, if you're not familiar with the Great Depression, that's because you didn't live then, right? But there was, a, there was an idea that we need to take what we have and we need to repair it. And then there's another idea. Sometimes we need to tear away some things, right? But this one ties the language of sometimes to keep silence and sometimes to speak, right? Think of our political climate today. There's a lot of speaking. There's not a lot of silence. There's a a lot of people speaking, maybe on the heels of a tragedy, a shooting, or something that takes place as we constantly are hearing about these things in the news. Sometimes... Those words come out well-intentioned, but maybe with facts wrong. And it raises an element of that story uh, that isn't there. Sometimes we just wish people would hang on instead of politicizing an event, that they would just wait and get the story right. Timing makes all the difference. There's a right time and a wrong time to speak out. Not only are there right and wrong words, but even right words in a bad time are wrong. There's a time to speak, and sometimes that speech will tear away at the very fabric of what's going on. But there's a time for silence, too. Verse 8. There's a time to love and a time to hate, a time for war and a time for peace. Notice there's a difference between killing and war. Uh, There's also a third thing that the Bible commands us not to do, which is murder. Very different word. There's war, there's killing, and then there's an entirely different word for murder. So, As it talked about killing earlier, it talked about killing things, not necessarily people. But war is clear. There's a time for war. There's wars throughout the Old Testament. There's wars that we're engaged in today. We can debate the merit of each war. But what this is saying is that there is a time for war. It says there's a time for love and a time for hate. And I know you might be thinking, well, doesn't the Bible call us not to hate anything? In fact, Jesus says if you've hated your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. Jesus says that, and that's true. Let me just give you a couple examples. People are called to hate bribes in Exodus 18, hating evil and evil doers. In so many verses, I'll just give you a few. Psalm 9, 26, 97, Isaiah 61. We'll read that uh, probably in a year from now. Amos 5, Zechariah 8. God's hatred of idol worship, Psalm 31, Jeremiah 44. Hatred of falsehood and false ways, a ton of verses on this. Psalm 119 is a good example. Uh, Pride of God's people, hating the pride of God's people, Amos 6. And there's many, many, many more. There's a time for love, and there's a time for hate. Amos 5.15, it says, hate evil and love good. That's beyond an acceptance. That's a command. Hate evil and love what is good. And establish justice in the gate that it may be the Lord, the God of hosts, will be gracious to the remnant of Joseph. Hate evil and love what is good. Verse 9, Solomon shifts gears. He says this. He says, what gain has the worker from his toil? So let me ask you this. According to Ecclesiastes, is there time for work? And is there there possibly 
too much time we could spend working. See that in our lives at all? Right? You know that very same Southern California culture where we're supposed to not have to deal with these seasons? Costs a lot, right? So how many of us just get buried in that grind of trying to afford to live here? Right? And there's, and there's, there's constantly this exodus of California where people are moving out of state and doing things. We, we're going through that now. We've got people here moving out of state. People are getting ready to move to different parts of the state or out of the state completely. We are constantly going through that because of how expensive it is here. That driver and the idea that we want our kids to get a good education, send them to school, those things, causes us often to spend too much time working. We sacrifice time when we work, time to be with our family, time to, again, time alone with God, time with our marriage, time with our kids, time in those things, time even resting that we might be healthy enough to get up the next day and do it again. So what is the intended outcome here? Next slide. When your life is over, the season that you're in, will the things that you focused on now result in the outcomes that you desire? Will your work matter? Sorry, the title. Will your work matter as much as you think? Will your time have been spent where it matters? One of the things that sucks up the most of our calendar every week is work, right? And we have to balance, hey, I have to eat. I have to be able to afford life. And yet I, it sucks up a lot of my calendar. Let's just say that, right? This year, as you look at this year, would you, would you imagine, like, how much work do I, I really need to do and want to do, and how do I want to live this year? And what will the outcome of that be? Am I in a season where I'm younger and I should be working a lot, where I should be working towards a career, should be providing for a family, or am I in a season where that should be winding down? Where am I in as it relates to my work life? What season am I in as it relates to my work life? Verse 10, it says, I've seen the business that God has given to the children of man to be busy with. He has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful in its time. He's made laughter in its time beautiful. He's made mourning in its time. Grieving, beautiful. He's made silence, beautiful. Speaking, beautiful. Working, beautiful. As long as it's in its time. Within its right place. The opposite also holds true. When it's not in its time, when it's overdone or underdone, it is not beautiful. It, is, it can be wrong. It can be sinful. It can be painful. It can be a lot of things. Verse 11 says this, And he has put eternity in the man's heart, yet so that he cannot find out what God has done from the beginning to the end. So as Solomon pivots, he reminds us, now here's this life, this life under the sun, this life under heaven that we live. Here's what God has given us. And then it reminds us, now take this thing, take this life that you're looking at, this, this timeline, this dot where you're born, and this dot that you will, you will live until. Take that, and he says, and don't forget to put it in the context of eternity. What will matter in the lens of eternity? Do you remember that this falls in the paradigm of the gospel, that we started with this, this concept, this idea. We started by remembering that Jesus entered into human history. He did so to reconcile humanity to God because God has created us. Where he said this, God has created us with a purpose, that we are to live a specific way, or that we are to live a way that glorifies God. And that may look different for a lot of us, but it, but it has some constraints to it, it has some focus to it, it has some intention and design to it. And then what we know is true about every one of us is that all of us 
have not lived the way God created us to live. That all of us have fallen short. All of us have intentionally gone a different way. That The Bible calls that sin. That we have, we have just not lived the way God called us to live. No matter what that looks like. So Jesus entered into our story. That's what we celebrate on Christmas. He enters into human history. God becomes flesh. So that he could come in and live the way we are created to live. And then pay the penalty for us missing the mark. That he could reconcile us to God the Father. That he would live here to reunite us to God because we could never do it on our own. And then out of gratefulness, thankfulness, in response to what Jesus has done for us, we are to now repent or to turn or to change and live the way God has called us to. And in gratefulness that Jesus has done what we could never do. And in and, 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 in love and in joy and response to what God has done, we begin to live a new way, empowered by the gospel, empowered by God's spirit, we begin to live in a new way. That way is, is that life that we get to live, that we would, we would spend our time the way God has created us to do so. And that we would remember that that lives in the context of eternity, where your life have mattered as it relates to eternity. Will you have lived for Jesus here, or will you have just been a good dad, a good business person, a good student? Will your life have made an eternal impact? Verse 12, I perceive that there is nothing better for them to be joyful and to do good as long as they live. I also, or also that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in his toil. This is God's gift to man. I, I love the last two things that Solomon says is this. And I'm going to paraphrase. I'm not quoting Solomon. But this. Will your life have mattered in eternity? And will it have been joyful to do it? Will your life here have been joyful? And that doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy or it's going to be free of problems because no life is free of that. In fact, I would suggest living for Jesus even makes it harder in the context of this world. But that our life, you can, you can spend so much time thinking about eternity that you just miss this, and this is what God created. But you can also spend all your time looking at this and miss the fact that eternity is much greater. Will your life embrace both the eternal and the temporal? Will you live a life that matters in the kingdom, and yet will you enjoy your life here that God has created for you? With those things in mind, I just, I wanted to leave you with some questions. There's no answers. Community groups, for the most part, are off this week. Some of you are meeting, some of you are not. But I just want to leave you some questions. If you're still planning for the year, if you're still in that phase, let me ask you these seven questions. What season of life are you in, and how is that to be spent? If you are young, your life should look different than your parents, your grandparents. You should be focused on different things. And I, I think our culture has got this a, a lot upside down, where there's a lot too much focus on enjoyment when you're young, and, and not enough, I think, when we're old. What in 2019 needs to die, and what needs to live? Is there a relationship that just needs to go? Is there a habit that just needs to stop? And is there something inside of you that needs to be born and needs to be cultivated and needs to live? What needs to be forgotten? What of the past is holding you back? And what needs your focus? What needs to be remembered? What has God done? Or what is God doing? Or what has taken place that God would have you remember and celebrate and focus on? 
What in your life needs to go this year? What happened in 18 that just needs to not happen in 2018? Next slide, Marsha. What needs repair in your life, right? What needs healing or redemption or restoration in your life? What do you need to spend time on and put the pieces back together? What things do you do now that will count in eternity? If that list isn't very big, maybe you need to add to that list this year. And what things will glorify God on this earth now? What are the things that you do that will live on forever? And what things matter the most right now? Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. I think we tend to look at your words a lot as we read scripture. And maybe we don't see enough of your, your life, your action. Maybe it'd be a good challenge to us, Jesus, that we spent this year uh, in our own times, in our community groups or uh, Sundays or whatever, however that might play out, God. Uh, that Jesus, we would look at your life and try and ask the questions, how did you spend your time? I'm always challenged by the fact that you got up early in the day, before it was light. It says, as was your habit, and you prayed alone. That has always challenged me and, caused, and pushed me to do so. You spent time with family, you went to parties, you enjoyed your friends, you, you discipled others, you eventually gave your life for us. You, you spent a life that glorifies God, and you did it for us. Jesus, you're our model. Everyone else in Scripture just points to you. So, Jesus, may we challenge ourselves this year, 2019, as we begin or, or finish our planning, as the case may be. May we do so looking at our time and, and asking, really, what will matter in eternity? And how would, you, how would you have us spend right now? Jesus, you gave your life for us. Let us give our lives back to you. It's in your name we pray.